2: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
1: Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And with us today for the first part of the pod, it's our good friend Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. Nikki, always a pleasure to have you. Welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks for
1: having me. So you have uh, you have some... Uh, some experience with a couple of the folks who have interviewed for the commander's offensive coordinator job. I know you uh, are a big fan of Eric Studesville. Uh, You've talked about it in a couple like times pod and and we were just talking a little bit before we started recording. What do you like about Eric Studesville slash? What can you tell us about Eric Studesville?
0: Yeah, I think first of all, he's a really good guy. He's a, he's a good human being Um, well-respected within the league. I think players really like him. Um, You know, I was, my dogs say hi. Um, hey dogs, <laughs> Sorry, dog
1: friendly podcast. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was, he was really well respected. Um, I, I crossed over with him in Denver. Um, he was a running backs coach. And prior to when I arrived, he was their interim head coach um, when Josh McDaniels got fired. Um, Probably should have been a Denver lifer. I don't know why they ever let him go, quite frankly, but he's gone on to do good things and is in a good spot with Miami. So um, I I really like him. I, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good coach. He's been in multiple systems. Um, so he could really come in and, and shake things up if that's what they want.
2: It's something that I've always found interesting about like media members is how do you determine – whether he's a good coach or not because it's not like you're in the meeting with him is it like conversations with players and then like if so like what are those pieces of evidence that inform that that perspective
0: i i think a couple of things i think one is just seeing how he develops young players and he i thought he did that really well in denver they had a number of young backs a lot of guys that they drafted and you could really see that that growth and development i i mean they took cj anderson um undrafted i think and and He went on to really help them in a super bowl i think he got a pro bowl um selection so Mm. he was that was instrumental to to that offense especially in their super bowl year um and i I think the the respect he has from players and from other coaches just within the locker room um you know he really took care of his guys there were some things Mm. that happened behind the scenes and i that i knew about that he, he really helped players when they needed it um so I, I, I think he's, he's really out for their best interest, and I, I don't know that you can say that for every coach in the league, um, but I know the players there felt it, and, and they mm-hmm. really felt strongly about Sudesville.
1: So there's kind of two, I would say, concerns about him as an OC. Uh, one would be he's been in all the systems, but does he have one that's his own? And then the obvious second one is his lack of experience as a play caller. How do you think he, one, what would he actually be looking to run if he got his own his own offense? And two, what kind of faith do you have in him to figure out the play calling element? Uh, because that obviously the sequencing and some of that stuff was a huge uh, issue here last year with Scott Turner.
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, he did do it for a short stretch in Denver when he was interim head coach. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, he's 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 been in a number of systems. He's primarily been in a West Coast or versions of the West Coast. I mean, I think Mike McDaniels is more like Kyle Shanahan's, but he's he's been with uh, Mike Shanahan. He's been with Gary Kubiak. So, you know, that's kind of his bread and butter. I would think he would want to run something more aligned with that. I do think Scott Turner did some – west coast principles but it was still mostly you know the the norv turner system was the air courriel system so um i would i would think if he came in he would want to do something more aligned with that and that kind of goes back to this whole thing with washington is you know they have a staff built primarily from ron's time in, in carolina they've run the same system they're trying to replicate a lot of the things they did in carolina from you know five six years ago is he willing to change up um, and, and try something different, and and I think that's where that's where Eric Studisville could be good because they could push him to get a little bit more creative and try something different. But I would imagine that he would run want to run something more aligned with you know his experience.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, another thing that I think is kind of interesting is like obviously he's a good coach. Obviously the players like him, according to you, and I think there there is a tremendous value there. But do you does he strike you as a guy who would make a good coordinator because I've played with a lot of position coaches who were fantastic coaches that that was like that was where they were at their best right. and do you think he has that kind of transcendent ability
0: yeah I honestly I don't I don't know just because he, he hasn't made that jump yet and I think it is a difficult one um, and I think that's kind of the question you have for any you know first year play callers and that's essentially what he would be mm-hmm. um, is can they, take what they had the respect they had and can they make that leap because play calling is a whole different animal you know sure
2: Um, and And, and it's tough yeah Um, i guess like you know like with a guy like sean for example everyone you know like kym you know anybody in the in the room kind of knew does he have that quality and is there is there maybe a reason that he's 55 and hasn't had this opportunity before
0: yeah i mean i all fair questions um i think he's been looking for the right gig Mm. he's had interviews in the past i think he interviewed with the jets um Mm. he was elevated assistant head coach for a while um so yeah i think he's kind of been looking for the right opportunity and they don't always come open but yeah yeah, i think these are all fair questions i honestly i i don't know because it's one of those until you see him in that position you don't really know how he's gonna fare Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally fair to speculate, you know, why hasn't he gotten that opportunity at this point? But I I think that's, and that's kind of the broader question with the league too, is you see guys get this opportunity two years in as a positional coach and then others who have been working for 20 years and like. What's, what's a discrepancy, so right. that's a whole different podcast.
1: Right, Yeah, right. yeah, there's definitely a, a lot to unpack that we could unpack, but we don't have time. Yes. Instead, I'll just ask you about a guy who's gotten that opportunity multiple times. That is Pat Shermer, because yep. you also crossed with him briefly in Denver. Time. Uh, his time in Denver, uh, there's a lot of folks out there who maybe not as psyched about, as uh, say some of the folks in New York or some of the other stops that he's had, certainly Minnesota, uh, where he had great success with Case Keenum in that one magical year. Um, What are your impressions of Shermer and his ability as an offensive coordinator and a potential fit in Washington?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was totally not surprised that, you know, they, they were quick to interview him. Uh, Ron was interested in him in what is 2013 as well when he was with the Panthers. So um, it makes sense to me. It would be sort of a similar hire to what they've had. Um, Mm. Not much would change. Um, You know, I think, yeah, Pat Shermer has definitely had his moments where he's, he's, had a lot of success you know and i I think that experience definitely is important he's worked with young quarterbacks he's worked with um veterans so he he is one of those who could step in and you could trust that he knows what he's doing um the track record leaves a little to be desired but that doesn't always fall on the, the play caller or even the head coach um you know, there, it it wasn't all roses in Denver. I mean, I was there for his first six months, so I, I came out before, like, training camp even started. It was more like the hiring phase and watching him build a roster and everything. Um, but it, it quickly kind of disintegrated from what it sounded like there, and, you know, he was there – are, there are a number of interesting moments and clips. I think they had a game of 158 net rushing yards of – 18 rushing yards on 17 carries, so – um, yes. There's an infamous clip of, you know, him saying they practice incompletions to stop the clock, which is all like silly stuff, but it, it just kind of spoke to the broader picture of, you know, how they didn't feel like they had a, a, a ton of success there.
2: And obviously, like you, you know, you spoke very high, highly of Studsville and kind of his, you know, relationship with the players, like, and I know you were there very briefly with Shermer, but did the players, how did the players respond to him in, in your experience
0: yeah, I mean I wasn't I wasn't there to see That's all enough, of that. Yeah. Um you know, I I just it was more hearsay from other mm. reporters in Denver. Um but you know, any time a team is not winning or succeeding, there's always going to be attention. There's always going to be something, right? And it's and it's a case whether it's with a good coach or a bad coach. So it's not really a an accurate reflection of his ability as a play caller. He has had some success. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't have it there. I I thought he had some, certainly in New York, definitely with Case Keenum in Minnesota. So he's certainly more than capable. I think in terms of, you think in terms of what this team wants to do, I think that's going to be the ultimate deciding factor with where they go with OC.
1: So that was going to be my next question is like, if you just focus on your reporting here and, and mm-hmm. think about what, you know, Ron wants, there's all this talk about the, the two to one run to pass thing. And I think that quote got so blown out of proportion yep. because like it was nobody's going to
0: accept the Steelers this century. Like, well, what right.
1: And also Martin was d- responding directly to what happened in the Dallas game, which right. was they got out ahead and then that's like, yeah, would they love to be ahead by 20 points in every game? And then just run the clock out and finish two to one. Sure, but like they clearly want to be a run-heavy team. That is something that they have been very clear about. Ron loves his two-back system. All of that. So, how much say will the OC have in some of this stuff? And and also, if you look back, like what were the clashes between Turner and Rivera, and why couldn't they get on the same page when it seemed like both of them had very clear visions that were not the same vision?
0: Yeah, I mean, a good question. I. I... I don't know that they totally weren't on the same page. I think a lot of it, again, comes down to when you're not winning, there's going to be tension, and and it could have come from higher up too. Um, But I think there was clearly frustration within the locker room that much we knew um, about the play calling and, you know, simple things like, you know, why they they move the ball up to midfield, which is not always easy to do, and then you just randomly take a shot. And, you know, sometimes it worked, a lot of times it didn't. They're like, we just wasted this, and – like a lot of questions about you know some of the decisions that were made, so I think that's kind of where it that they ran counter to to what they wanted to do. But you know, I I I, I think they're extenuating circumstances in the shot in um, Scott Turner's case, and I I say this not to in any way defend anything or, or take any sides, but you know, cycling through what eight different quarterbacks, uh, it is quite a bit. You never really get to establish your offensive identity. And I, yeah, I do think Scott wanted to air it out a lot and they had these two backs and, you know, you got to run it more. So that's, you know, that, that's, once you bring in Brian Robinson to the mix and you can see what he can do, especially with Antonio Gibson, I I think that kind of changes things. that, that gives them that identity. They went on that run streak two years in a row. They went on a run, run streak um, with more of a run-first offense, and it's very clear they want to stick with that. So, um, yeah, I, again, I, th- I think that could dictate where they go going forward, and we'll see. I, I, the two-to-one thing is just, yeah, it's it's not – nobody does I'm
1: really that. tired of hearing about it. It's one quote that got nobody just blown out completely
2: no out of proportion.
0: One. Nobody does that. I think it was like the 2004 Steelers were the only team that came close to doing it, and that's it. Yeah,
2: I mean, last year I think the highest run percentage was like 58%, which is – Not, not close to two to one, but, um, so between the two candidates, uh, you know, Shermer and students do you think one is a more natural fit? And I think, you know, just like calling attention to the fact that it's probably only a year guaranteed kind of thing. Like, do you think one of these guys fits that uh, criteria a little bit better?
0: Yeah. I, and that's the other thing you look at students He's in a good situation in Miami. He's, you know, he's not looking for work. Does he want to take on that insecurity or the uncertainty with a possible sale, that's up to him. Um, Shermer is probably looking to get back in, obviously, um, so he doesn't have the same leverage that might give the team, you know, a little bit, you know, a better option there if that's the choice to go with. I also think some of their their the other guys they have looked at too. I think Charles London is intriguing too. Mm. I think they might, from what I've heard, they might look at a couple other candidates too um, before week's end. And, and kind of see what their options are and, and decide maybe next week or closer to the Super Bowl.
2: What
1: do you make of the fact that the hiring cycle in general has been so slow around the league? Like you're someone who is not just yeah. obviously well-sourced and reporters on the league here in or the commanders here in Washington, but like you're very well-sourced around the league and talk to a bunch of folks. Like, is it just that Sean Payton is looming over it all? And like Justin Herbert's out there in LA needing an OC. So everyone's kind of yeah. wanting to prioritize that or is there more to it than that?
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting year. I mean, some years you feel like everybody's like racing to get their guy and others, they have time and they kind of drag it out. And this is one of those. I mean, you're seeing guys get second interviews. I think Nijiro Evero has had two second interviews with teams already. Um, the Sean Payton deal is unique because not every team can afford him and... It sounds like the Saints might be playing hardball. Just from looking from afar, I don't know that. But you think about it, it's not just paying him gobs of money. It's how many picks are you going to have to give up to get him from the Saints who have his rights. So, I mean, that I don't think the Chargers are in the mix for that. I, I think they made that very clear when they kept Staley and um, you know made some other changes on the offensive staff. But I don't know if he's holding up the other teams or if it's more they have time to – really do their due diligence with these other candidates and you know they're taking it for once it it is interesting though
2: okay of the candidates for washington do you think do you have like a guy that you think is like locked in is the guy that you would uh you would pick i mean maybe not you would pick or you you would speculate ron would pick maybe let's do
1: both who would you pick and then who would who do
2: you think that ron is ultimately going to pick
0: um, I mean, I, I could totally see him going with Shermer, honestly. But um, <laughs> that's
2: kind. Of, I mean, we feel the same way because they yeah. know each yeah. other. It's a year; like, it seems like the right way to go, right?
0: Yeah, I could totally see that happening. Um, who would I pick? I mean, I, I, again, I think Charles London is intriguing. I think Sudesville could be intriguing. They're more unknown, so there's risk there. Um, I, I just think they, if they're gonna do this, they. Shermer feels like a lateral move to me in a sense, like, you know, what are you really changing? You know, what's a, it was was, is Shermer really better than and, and, I mean, you,
2: I mean, you might know this though, but like, isn't it, it seems like from what he said, he wants to kind of, I don't want to say make a lateral move, but he wants to kind of stay in the same ballpark. You know, he wants to be, yeah. you know, kind of in the same space because he doesn't want to change the terminology. I yeah. mean, so there is some motivation there to do that, I think.
0: Yeah. Sure. Because it's been working so well.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the thing is you got to get a better version. And, you know, Shermer has had some of the success as an OC. And like, I I do think the one thing that he has over Scott was Scott was a first time play caller. And it showed up in a lot of key situations. And, you know, if Shermer can just be better situationally, then they did move the ball at times last year when they got dedicated. Like, if, if you could be better situationally and better um in terms of not dedication, focus, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. Like, discipline, I guess, is really what I'm looking for. Like, if you can be more disciplined and better situationally, what they had was okay. It's certainly not Kyle Shanahan. Um, But I also think because of the ownership situation, frankly, I don't know that Ron's going to attract the best offensive candidates. Like, there's a lot of things here that point to, they're not going to get that guy anyway. So can you just improve on the margins enough to elevate your team into the playoffs from the first team out of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah no and i think that's very fair i mean i i agree with you wholeheartedly like ownership and quarterback are going to be their biggest hindrances in this search they're they're not going to be able to get their top guy and you look at you look at the guys that they're interviewing and they're all intriguing candidates but they're not like the top of the market guys that a lot of the other teams are kind of looking at that are you know cycling through so you know which is both a credit to the team but maybe also due to their circumstances that they're they're interested in giving guys opportunities um but maybe they also know that, you know, this this could be viewed as a sort of a lame duck position. Mm. A new owner comes in and blows it up, you know. And they don't they don't have that quarterback. You know, they don't they're not one of those teams where it's like, we need somebody to come in and, and really develop this young guy who is our guy. We the only guy we know who's gonna be on the roster is Sam Howell. That's it.
1: Right, and that's what, where we're gonna go next after we're done chatting with you. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you get it's us started nice to be here. Like that for you. Yeah. Uh, so set set the table for us fully. Yeah. Let's let's get the full spread out out here going. Like, what do you think is the direction? All, all arrows seem to be pointing towards mm-hmm. how, but like, what are the chances that that arrow has actually got a curve in it somewhere, and it and it points a different direction?
0: I wouldn't put anything past the seam. Again, I think the ownership situation is the real problem in this because it, it without it I would say yeah they could be real players and trying to get you know a veteran maybe they really seriously look at Derek Carr maybe they maybe they make a play for Aaron Rodgers so I don't really see that um but you know who, why why don't made? you see that who, who's gonna who's signing off on that what what owner is signing off on that you know mm-hmm. yeah that and that's that's gonna be always the biggest thing is you wanna make big moves like, all right, who's signing off on that? Does do the signer sign sign off on that? Do you wait for the prospective owner, whoever it's gonna be, if it happens? I mean that that's always kind of been the problem going into the season. There's been so many questions about it already, just asking Ron, you know, how long is the leash here to to really do what you need to improve the roster? And it's still kind of uncertain, but um, that's where I could see. All right, you bring in somebody who can. Let's see what Sam Howell has. Bring in you know a Taylor Heineke type who can back him up, and maybe look in the draft again. And that I guess buys you another year. I feel like they're kind of in that same spot year after year. I mean, that was kind of the the give and take with Heineke. Is you know he really got him in good position, put him in you know seventh in the NFC I mean, in the in the NFC, and put him in prime position to make a playoff run but it also sets them back in the draft and trying to find a long-term answer there at quarterback so yeah
1: nikki javala washington post reader washington slash sports or when they throw the paper at your door in the morning depending on uh, you know where you live and if you get the delivery service also on twitter at nikki javala nikki always a pleasure thanks so much and uh we'll do it again soon and uh you know hello to the dogs as well
0: yeah sorry about that they say hello okay see ya <laughs> take care guys